Hello, and welcome to the Blaze Experience. If you're joining us, you're coming here for episode number 15. This is going to be a bonus episode for us. We are going to be talking about the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit. This is a game by Don't Nod Entertainment, and basically this is a game that's within the Life is Strange series. So if you know anything about the Life is Strange universe, this game is set in that universe. So this will be a bonus episode, so anyone that usually tunes in for our State of Decay coverage, don't worry, we're still going to have an episode of that uh, later this week, but this is basically a bonus content for you. Uh, with that being said, I do have a guest with me today, coming back for his record-breaking fifth appearance on the podcast. We have Hanzo Main, also known as Monty. Monty, welcome back. Hello. Oh, finally. I have claimed my, my place. You have claimed your throne, yes. In, I suppose. <laughs> So congratulations on breaking the record. Just, you know, you're now the most hosted guest in the podcast, besides myself, obviously. Uh, awesome adventures of Captain Spirit. Let, let's start off with what an awesome game. I think it's a fitting in one sentence review of this game. Yeah, so you liked the game a lot then? I, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I haven't actually seen uh, all of um, Life is Strange one I, i've seen bits of it here and there but when what bits i've seen have been really good i've really enjoyed them um and that's the same thing here too uh, and i've heard yeah I've, I've heard great things about the game and all um but sort of getting to play the awesome adventures of captain spirit was sort of like my first prop time getting into that sort of game because I, I mean i've played a bit of telltale's walking dead sort of for this style of game but i I really enjoyed this no i definitely agree and you mentioned telltale don't nod that makes the life is strange universe they're basically telltale's only competitor as far as i see basically this game is a type of game that's more story based it's a point and click adventure but you get to choose your own adventure you get to choose what you want to do in what order you get to choose your own choices and your choices affect you later in the game so that's the kind of game this is, basically. It's sort of a prequel to Life is Strange 2, and the developers did say that some of the choices in this game do lead into Life is Strange 2. We won't spoil right now, but I think you can tell at the end of the game that some of those choices are definitely going to affect things in the future. Oh, that, so much happened in such a short game. I know. Like, I, it, I... It's just a short, like, couple of hour sort of free game which you can get, and... Oh, I, I I loved it. Like it it was really nostalgic in sort of the way it was done. All of sort of the style, sort of the style of the game. It wrote worked worked really well in the art style of um of Life is Strange, which is beautiful for anyone who hasn't seen it. Like when um it, it's set in a very snowy place, and when you're walking through the snow, you leave behind all your footprints and everything. It's like amazing visuals i, I really enjoyed yeah i was it. gonna say that too the visuals are just perfect and the music that they have in the background to go with the visuals it's just amazing like when you first start that game and they start playing that music you see the visuals it's like wow this is like a really cool setting yeah no it's i i just really enjoyed it it was yeah if if for those of you who are listening if, if you get a couple of hours spare go and download this game and give it a play because it's completely free uh, it's 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 good and of course it's because of this uh multi-choice sort of option for the game you know you can make your own story so every everyone who plays it is going to have a different experience so like i'm sure we'll probably talk about different things because we probably had different experiences right we'll probably value different things differently so but like yeah. you said i mean it's definitely important that it is free because that gives a lot more players access to it so if you haven't played this yet and you're listening, definitely download and go play it. I mean, also, like you said, it's a very short game. I mean, if you are the type of player that doesn't really want to look around and do a lot of things, you could probably finish this entire game in an hour. But if you're the type of player that wants to, you know, stop and smell the roses, you could probably spend up to about five hours on it. So I would say it's about one to five hours, depending on your play style. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I spent it around, spent around two and a two to two and a half hours playing because I, I just ended up walking around in the snow for ages not because i didn't know where to go or i was bored it was just enjoyable 
it was nice to be in this environment in the world that the game created in such a short time yeah and i think that's what's great about this game too is that it actually makes you want to stay in the game longer i mean for me personally i didn't realize the game was going to end like we won't get into spoilers right now but there's a certain point of the game that kind of causes the end sequence of the game and I actually did that too early before I was done. I'm like, no, wait. And I went back and played it again because I actually ended the game when I didn't want to. So, you know, I've I've only done one playthrough of it so far, and I definitely hadn't complete everything that I wanted to. Like, if if anything, everything was only half done. But it was just like there was so much to do, and then suddenly it just. You know, ends. exactly. Yeah, I wish there was some kind of warning for the end sequence that was going to happen, but obviously they can't really warn you and be like, "Hey, if you do this, the game ends." Like they can't really do that, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it gives you a reason to play through definitely. Again. And not many games really give sort of that sort of those sort of reasons. Like sort of these days, it's oh, you you'll get a skin for multiplayer or something. But you're you're not really replaying games because you want to these days, and it, I th- I think sort of Counts and Spirit did that really well, giving you all these different options. Right, and I love how it actually is going to matter in the future too, because if you play Life is Strange too, this game will actually lead into that. So whatever you did in this game, those choices will affect your next game if you play the series still. Yeah, I mean. Uh, again, it's coming back to Telltale's Walking Dead because there were things like that with the separate game and sort of all, all the different seasons of it. Your your decisions affected it, but you know it, it's cool to see sort of more of these games coming in because what what was the last Telltale game? Was it Telltale's Batman or Telltale's Borderland? I think the most recent one for them was um, the Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy, I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I didn't actually that. play that one myself, but I think that was their most recent. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I mean, so they they it just sort of feels like they haven't done one for a bit, not one big one, or not nothing as big as Telltale's Walking Dead was. When I agree. Yeah, out. I mean, obviously, this is an episode just about Telltale, but I would say one of my favorites is probably the Game of Thrones game. I think they did that one really well. Oh, I played. I I only played like the first season of that when it. There's came only out. one season so far. Season that two hasn't come out yet. So yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, well, uh, I didn't. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. So, um, it, trust me, as season two comes but, out, I'm gonna be yeah. able to play that for sure because I love season one of that game. Yeah, but um, but life is strange. You know, it's really stepped up in sort of in this genre, and it's 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 met Telltale at, at its game, and it's really. I agree, and I mean honestly, it's obviously perception, but. My perception is actually that Don't Nod does better with the visuals of Life is Strange than Telltale does. I think their visuals are better. Mm. Well, well, it's sort of all these... It's dif- different universes, different art styles. Like, Telltale's art style lent really well into Borderlands. Like, that worked amazingly, and Borderlands Telltale was really good. It had some great moments in that, um, which I'd constantly sh- see sh- shared around sort of clips from that. It's, it's no, really that's true. You make a good um, point. And so, the, yeah, and, and that art style works really well for Borderlands. And with Life is Strange, the art style that they have with it works really well with its universe. No, I, you make a good point because, I mean, I, I guess I didn't really think about it that way because Telltale is probably handicapped by their visuals. Like, they have to, they're always doing licensed products, so they have to stick to the universe of that product. But with Life is Strange, Don't Knock can go crazy and just do like their own thing. So that's probably why that their visuals can be a little different sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, both both of the games look well. Both sort of companies' games look really nice. But uh, definitely, I mean, both of them will give you a great time any game you play. So I would definitely recommend anything in the Life is Strange series after playing this for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty tempted to go out and play the first one now. Ready for. Yeah, same here. And we'll mention at the top of this episode, too, if people like this episode and they want to hear us talk more about the Life is Strange series, then definitely let us know because I am considering doing a full series on Life is Strange 2. We do an episode on each episode of the actual game. So if people want that, just let us know and we'll probably do that. The game comes out in September, so um, let us know and we'll probably be doing that. 
Yeah. You know, it'd be cool to cover that. I think so, so as well. I mean, is. we'll just see if people actually want that, but I would hope so because I think it's a lot of fun. So I'll probably play it. Uh, I, I will play it other way too. So. <laughs> so... <laughs> but back to yeah. Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit a little more. Um, we can kind of do this as like a spoiler free section. So if you're tuning in right now, you know, this is all going to be spoiler free at the moment. And then later in the episode, we'll get into all the spoilers, full spoilers, but we'll give you a warning before we do that. So is there anything else you want to say about the game that's spoiler free that doesn't give anything away? I'm not sure. See, I, I, I would say go into it with like an open mind and be prepared to go with what the universe is saying. But the, the, the intro to the game gets you into that mindset already and it builds you up to sort of things properly starting really well. So... I don't think there is. A, I don't think you need to go into it with a certain mind frame because it it gets you into that. Yeah, I agree. And quickly, you know, there's not many characters in this game. There's basically you play as Chris, who's a ten year old boy. You have his father, who you interact with at some points in the game. And other than that, there's a couple of you know very 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 minor side characters. But basically, it's just Chris and his dad the entire game. And it's essentially their interaction, and the game is mostly about their family and their family's backstory. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Oh, I just can't wait to get on to this <laughs> I agree. It's, it's so much to talk about. But just quickly, I mean, um, there's basically various activities you can do in the game, as you would expect. And, mm. you know, Chris, naturally being a 10-year-old boy, he has an active imagination, and essentially he invents fictitious villains that you have to encounter throughout the game. Uh, we won't get into exactly what the villains are right now, but basically you can kind of imagine in your own mind, you know, this random thing could be a villain in a little 10-year-old boy's mind. So that's kind of how the game works with that. It is sort of just like a kid's imagination. Right. But it, it sort of the way it's all done, it's really nostalgic, you know? It, yeah. Yeah, and kind of like I said, I mean, you can clear through it very fast if you want to, or you can you know, do what we did and stop and, like, actually enjoy it a little more. I played through in about two and a half to three hours myself, so about the same time as you. Yeah, I, I've, I think that's a solid middle ground to experience a lot of it and, and get a lot of the world and, yeah, find, find a good chunk of things at least. No, I'd agree. I will say, too, I think it's important to let people know before you play the game there are a lot of lighthearted moments in the game, but the game also does pack a lot of emotion too. So, you know, definitely be ready to actually have that emotion hit you, I would say, because there's a lot of emotion that hits you in this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 definitely. I think that's about all I had for the spoiler free section, though. Is there anything else you want to say spoiler free before we get into the spoilers? I have no idea. I didn't think there is. I think that's everything from the spoiler-free section. All right, so we can get into spoilers then. If you don't want to hear the spoilers of this game and you want to play it first, we totally understand. You know, we won't be offended. So just stop the episode now, go play the game, and then come back and listen to the rest, and we'll be here waiting for you. In that order. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But this yeah. is your spoiler warning. The rest of the episode from this point on will be full spoilers about the entirety of the game. So from this point on, it'll be full spoilers. This is your warning. So get out now if you don't want to hear spoilers about the game. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. So now we're in the spoiler section. We can start talking I mean, about some of the tasks in the game. I think let's start from the start. The first thing you do the costume yes so how did you design your costume for chris what was your so i think first of all, you know if, if you're listening to this part you've probably played the game or you're just listening because you don't care then true you're not <laughs> going to play it no matter what we say but um at the start sort of it opens up with chris and he sort of there's some pictures from comics and stuff around his room and it brings you into his room and Sort of, it it starts to introduce you a bit to his fictitious imaginary world, and it introduces you to Captain Spirit, which is his superhero alter ego. Um, and you start off by designing his suit, and you you have a couple of options. You can sort of you can go with a helmet or like with a crown sort of thing. Or sorry, it's not a crown. Mask. Um, it's a mask. Yes. 
the the helmet looks a bit like a crown. That's why I made that mistake. And then you can choose like light armor or heavy armor or cape or no cape. Sort of it it, it gives you these options, and you design. Um, and then you can color too. Your, you can either make it colorful or dark color. So yeah, yeah. So it it kicks off with designing this costume. Now I I think I clicked pretty much entirely B. I went with helmet, um, heavy armor, and colorful. Oh, so we pretty much had the same then. I went with helmet, light armor, and colorful. So I just had different armor than you did. All right. Did Did you end up completing the armor? I did. Did you? I I didn't get the heavy armor. <laughs> I, I I didn't. I I got everything else, just not the heavy armor. So uh, yeah, finish it when. Which now that you mention that, one of the tasks in the game is finding all the pieces to his costume, and basically they're hidden throughout the house. I know the light armor was located in like his dad's closet. That's basically like a sports bag you find the light armor in. The heavy armor, I didn't have the heavy armor, so I can't really say where that was, but. I think I like read a post on it somewhere that it was like possibly in the garage, maybe or something. I, I didn't get into there either way. It was like the, this is like sort of it, off the bat. The game gives you so many tasks, so you need to build the costume, defeat uh, defeat the water eater, um, play a hot dog man game on on your dad's phone, which is like a sort of virtual game, you know, phone game, normal sort of thing. Um, you need to find buried treasure, shoot some beer cans as target practice, find sort of so many super villains, and you know it's it gives you all these objectives. Which off the bat you think like, all right, I have ages of time, to, I have tons of time to do all of these things. Personally, I only got through about half of some of them. I I completed the shooting the beer cans bit because that was easy. But sort of the rest of it, I I end up getting to the end with everything else like half complete. And I was like. But I haven't done everything. I still have so much more to do, and it's already over. Yeah, see, that's why it's I had just... to go back a second time. And basically, I played through it two times in about two and a half, three hours. So, like, I, I covered everything <laughs> at that point. So, I did cover all the tasks, just it took me two tries to cover them all. I, I don't blame you going back and playing it again. Like, there was so much more I wanted to do. And it's at the end, it tells you, you know, the, the character of Chris is coming back for Life is Strange 2. And it's sort of introducing his character and all of that for it. And I, I'm really excited to see what they do with him in Life is Strange too. No, me too. And I, I think he'll definitely have a nice impact. I mean, I think it's probably going to be sad what happens to him in Life is Strange too, because we kind of saw the direction that the story was going at the end of this game. But Yeah, I mean, sort of, as, as we said, sort of, there's definitely an emotional side to it. Um, right. And there's a lot alluded to um, through throughout uh, digging a bit deeper. Um, like uh, one one big thing that you learn quite quite easily, um, but there's a lot more details surrounding it, which you can also find is that Chris's mum has died. Yes, um, and sort of literally, it, it's pretty obvious even without looking within the first couple of dialogue lines, because like your options are like. You, you, his dad makes him breakfast, and one of your options is like, "Well, it's not as good as Mum's was." And it's, it's yeah, like, that even says like, you know, I know it wasn't as good as hers, but so you kind of get the picture that like she's either dead or like she maybe left them, but you realize pretty fast that she died. Yeah, and it's sort of it, it's handled really well in the game. No, I agree. But sort of at the same time, you know, there's this core emotional sort of anchor where there's like. A lot of things that happen emotionally, they revolve around this, and in some way this has caused it. Uh, an- another big thing you see quite early on is Chris has uh, some bruises on his arm, which is quite obvious that his his dad's hit him, and his dad's also become a heavy alcoholic um, since since his mum has died. And uh, so there's, there's these really heavy moments to such a short game. But it's handled really well, um, and sort of the way the characters react to it, you know, it, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, getting to that a little bit, I don't think it's necessarily that his dad hit him, but I because th- at one point in the game, you kind of see him reach for Chris's arm. I think basically what happened is like 
he reached for his arm and like pulled on him really hard, and that's how that you know, mark on his arm happened. I'm assuming. Um, well, with how I ended up having it, um, after uh, at one point the neighbors come round, sort of because uh, you, uh, you uh, I don't know if you did, but I, I, your your dad, his dad gets drunk and he falls asleep watching a basketball game, and you have the option of waking him up. And if you do, he like falls over and like hurts himself, and he shouts. And the, the neighbor comes around, and she's, she's like, "Oh, are you okay?" Sort of, you speak to her, and I assume it was based off what I said. Um, the Chris's dad sort of grabs him by the arm, and he's like, "Were you going to tell her that I did this?" So it was at that point very obvious that it was him that did it. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't have that happen at all. So that's interesting because. Like, I had a different moment. I forget exactly what it was, but it kind of alluded that, like, he grabbed his arm. So I don't think he was necessarily, like, beating him, but he obviously wasn't treating him well because he definitely did hurt him physically. Hmm. Well, sort of shortly after that moment um, is when it's revealed that, you know, another big weighty emotional moment is that uh, Chris's dad um, blames him for his mum's death comes out right it's like oh you just said that to a 10 year old boy who you've already upset by shouting him and grabbing him and hurting him yeah because basically what he says to him is that you know she never would have died if she wasn't going to the store to get you something or like whatever it was like basically he pretty much tells him you know she was in that car that day because of you so we assume like you know maybe she's going to the store to get like milk or whatever the hell but that's sort of there's just generally, you can find out a lot about the family's history. Um, like, uh, his his dad, he's become this heavy alcoholic. But you also find out that he used to be a really good basketball player. And then he became a teacher, which he got fired for drinking. Yeah, he was the basketball coach um, in the school. Is it the train lines he works on now? Yeah, he works on the trains now. And kind of like you said, basically at one point he was a basketball coach, but... There's like this little document you find in his closet at one point, and basically it says that he got fired from the school because they found beer cans in the pool, and essentially the students were kind of figuring out that he was an alcoholic and they couldn't have it there. And it also mentioned about him being aggressive towards people as well. Right, definitely. Um, But I'm pretty sure he also used to be a basketball player as well, because when he's watching the game, he's like, oh, they should put me on. But um. There's a nice little reference to Life is Strange 1. Uh, I'll give you a five-second spoiler warning. It's not a huge spoiler, but uh, five, four, three, two, one. Right, so um, you, um, it says about how he works at the trains. Um, and at one point in Life is Strange 1, the two of them end up uh, catching a freight train to a park. And they, they cause some trouble, you know. As happens with Life is Strange One, but there's there's a small little reference to that um, from one of the things that either the dad says or it, it's somewhere in, I, I can't remember exactly, you know. But there's a there's a couple of little references to Life is Strange One. Yeah, definitely. Which, I mean, which is quite nice. I think if you did play Life is Strange One, there's going to be a lot more enjoyment you get from this game because I didn't play through the full game. But if you did play through the full game, you're probably going to notice a lot of things, like you said. Yeah, yeah, no. It's it's just sort of like nice little things tying this whole universe together. But going back to like some of the tasks a little bit, did you have like a least favorite task that you did? That like one that you thought really didn't add much to the game? Not sure. Sort of all of them. They they made me want to go out and do things. Like I I was struggling to find um, the the heavy armor. I I couldn't find that. Um, because uh, I, you know, whether that was I couldn't get into the garage or wherever it was, I, I didn't get that. But yeah, now that you mentioned that, like the hardest thing for me to do in the game was to find the key to the garage, and it was like actually in the kitchen. Basically, it's by the back door, but it's way up high, so you had to look way up high to get it. That's where the key for the garage is. Didn't look yeah. up there. <laughs> um, but sort of. Whilst I didn't complete them and I wanted to, there was just so much to do that it made me look around and check everything. And it, you just naturally experience the world that they've built. So, like, whilst I spent like two hours on 
playing it just looking for this heavy armor it i didn't get bored there was always something to look at something new something that added more to the story and all these different clues about the past of um the family and all of that right definitely and i mean personally out of the tasks that are available i think there's probably only one for me that really didn't work the only one I think didn't really do much for the story at all was the one where you have to find all the supervillains because basically what this task involved is there's a bunch of like toys in his room and like a couple of toys throughout the house. Essentially, you're just clicking on the different toys and you go, oh, this is a dinosaur. Oh, this is this. Like, And that's all that task was. So that task wasn't really that great, but I mean, the rest of them did hit pretty well. Yeah, that, that didn't add tons, but um, sort of it had a nice moment where... Chris's dad was watching the basketball and then Chris is sat down on the floor playing with the dinosaur and like sort of story-wise it didn't add tons but sort of there it added a couple of moments like that which you know whilst there are these heavy things between Chris and his dad between all of that his dad does care for him and he's trying to be the best dad that he can with you know Chris's mum's death and he, he he is trying but Right, that's kind of one of the sad things with this game, too, is, like, I mean, you want to hate the dad because of, like, you know, what he did to Chris with his arm and, like, how he treats him and stuff, but you kind of, in some ways, can't hate him, really, because you can kind of see what he's going through. You can kind of see why he is the way he is, so it's kind of a hard situation where, like, there's some really good things about the dad, but there's some really bad things about the dad, too. Yeah, no, it's very obvious that Chris's dad is dealing with it a lot worse than Chris is himself. It's just a sad situation overall, because obviously the dad is letting his pain affect Chris. And like, I know we're talking about some of the clues you can find throughout the game. I don't know if you found the note from the grandparents. Yeah, 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 I did. So like the grandparents Um, actually offer to take Chris for a little while while the dad figures things out. But the dad, you know, seemingly is too prideful and doesn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, sort of... The, the dad is... He's a really well-built character, and he... he He's hes really trying to put in this effort, and he's trying... He, all these people come by, and they're, like, trying to take away Chris. And you can sort of see from his eyes, whilst Chris, he, also, he sees as the, the reason that um, Chris's mum has died... It's also the one thing he has left. You know, he's lost everything else. The job that he cared about, the sports that he cared about, um, all of that. But he still has Chris. Right, definitely. And like you said, that really is all he has left. I mean, his wife's gone. He lost his job that he loved. I mean, there's reference that, like, there's his friend Nick that he used to hang out with. He doesn't even talk to him anymore, apparently. So, like, all he really has left is Chris. And then they're sort of struggling with the mortgage as well. And so he... It's whilst he's he is like a bad character in the sense that you know he he's not nice to Chris, not completely, but he's not a two D bad character. There's reasons behind everything, and he he's built really well, and and so is a lot of the world. Like running around the garden, there's nice little things. Like in one corner, there's a little frozen pond with a with a tree sticking out of it. Yeah, I remember that. It just says. It's just sort of like these small characteristics which really build it into a 3D world. I know at one point, like, you can even click on the mailbox, and I think Chris says, like, oh, there's no mail today or something. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. And then if you get the car keys, if you don't put them into the bowl, you can go and look in the car. And in the car, there's a letter from the school saying that they want to speak to him about Chris. Um, and there's also uh, letters about uh, if you go up into the treehouse, there's letters about Chris getting into fights because of people saying bad things about his dad. And sort of just by looking this little bit more, there's you find so much about this world. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different documents you can find that actually clue you into more things. Like, I know you said you didn't get into the garage, so I can't remember which documents are in the garage, but there's some documents in the garage that tell you more too. Well, uh, like, I know... Yeah, um. One of the things I think is in the garage is like some more artwork from his mom because we find out that his mom was an artist and basically she yeah, gave that yeah. up for Chris when he was born and she stopped being an artist. Because um, 
right at the start, it's sort of there's this drawing book in his room, and he's like, I, I want to learn how to draw as good as my mum one day. But they, they, in the garden, there's also sort of like a pile of just rubbish in in one corner, and there's a little maze. Um, I, I didn't find the map wherever it was. I assume it might have been in the garage or something. But you can, I assume that's where you find the hidden treasure because like you need to find some treasure. And what is one of the tiles? You didn't do the buried treasure one. No, I didn't. That is the best one of the entire game. Oh, well, t- tell me about it. What, what what is it? All right. So basically, one of the tasks you can do is find the buried treasure, and essentially you have to find the little decoder map because there's the map in his room, but there's like a little. Yeah, de- okay, I found the decoder. You found the decoder. Yeah, I just didn't link it with the map. Yeah, all you had to do was just put the decoder on the map. You had to go back to his room, put it on his map, and then it tells you which way to go through the maze. See, I think I might have finished the game before then. Right. (sighs) But, I mean, I wish you would have done that because that's literally the the best moment in the entire game is finding that buried treasure. Because basically... See, it's like, I I miss this, which you think is the best moment of the game, but I still really enjoyed it. Right. I still played two hours of it. Which... I mean, that's good to say, too, because, like, you still enjoyed it, even though you missed what I think is the best moment, because essentially, like, it's this little pile of junkyard in his backyard, and it's something that, like, you can crawl through the junkyard in, like, five seconds, you know, just get to the other side, but the game makes it, like, you know, Chris's imagination, where, like, it's this giant maze, you know, it's like a big journey, and essentially, without the decoder attached to the map, you won't really know which direction to go because you might go like right, right, left, or like you don't really know which direction to go. So you need that decoder in order to figure out the direction. But don't quote me. I think the direction you had to go was left, left, right, left. I think that was the code. I'll have to try that out. But, but uh, basically you get to the end. You know, you do that light, left, left, right, left. You get to the end. You find his buried treasure, which is like just this... um like a little lunchbox basically that's a little bit buried in the snow he pulls it out and you know at first i'm kind of thinking like oh it's just gonna be like you know some baseball cards or like some little thing that like a kid collects or whatever you know is is that kind of what you would think if you found it well i was just thinking like some sweets or something right yeah you think it's gonna be something like that but actually what ends up being is the most gut-wrenching emotional moment in the entire game because what is it? you open it up and it's a bunch of pictures that his mom drew of the family and it's like pictures of him and his mom and it's like so emotional because this is his buried treasure which he like sticks back there you know hides it because it's pictures of him and his mom when she was still alive that, that's sweet yeah so that's it, nice. it, it's, it's really nice it's really emotional honestly because like he gets there finds it and then he i think he like starts talking about her a little bit and you know, he starts flipping through the pictures. It's like there's one picture that he drew that her mom drew, like the whole family at Christmas time, and it's just honestly a really great moment. So mm. that's definitely the moment you want to experience. I think so. When you go back through and play it again, definitely experience that. Yeah, no, I have to now. Um, but what one of my favorite moments, and a moment we haven't mentioned yet, is the end. The man the, the big ending. No, no, no. With, oh no, I think it wasn't. Wait, did did you go up the um, the treehouse at the end? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, that bit. Yeah, because basically what you're referring to, right, is that he finds out he has powers at the end, correct? Yeah. So. Oh yeah. So like this entire game, you're going around as Chris, pretending to be a superhero, and he'll like put his hand out like he's trying to use his powers, sort of like Jedi sort of thing. And then, in, like at one point, you turn on a TV, but really you're just holding the remote in your other hand, and it, it, it's really funny because sort of there's all, all these little power moments, and then you get to the end, and sort of it it's after like uh, Chris's dad tells him that he blames him for his mum's death, and he he just runs out and he's going up into his treehouse, and then one of the um, ladders breaks on it. And sort of he, he's falling down and then inches above the ground, he just freezes and he's hovering. And it's just an amazing moment where you're so happy, like for Chris, because like, you know, he could have been really hurt, but he's not, he's alive and he has superpowers. Yeah, it's definitely a really cool moment because like you said, 
you know, the entire game you're thinking like, oh, this kid's just, you know, making believe, but he actually does have some kind of power. I mean, it seems like it's probably telekinesis or something, but it's definitely going to be nice to explore that in Life is Strange 2 and see what his actual power really is. What? I have a bit of prediction about that. Yeah, go for it. My kind of prediction is that he doesn't actually have powers, and he's hit the ground, and he's in a coma or something. And it's sad, I know, but I don't want it to be right, but it's a prediction. It's just... It could be. I mean, I don't feel like they'd do that, because in the first game, you know, the character had powers, so I feel like they'd give him powers too, but... Did they? I was not aware of this. See, I was expecting this to be really out of character for it. No, no, yeah, in the Life is Strange 1, um, the character had powers as well, so... Okay, I don't think that's going to happen then. I did not know there was powers in <laughs> yeah. Life is Strange 1. From, from the bits that I've seen, I hadn't seen Completely different power, powers. because it had to deal with, like, reversing time, but it's still a power, so... Okay, that makes me happy now. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Chris is fine, he's wonderful, and he's a glorious child who deserves everything... Uh, all the happiness definitely and throughout the game as chris like i don't know if it did this for you but it kind of took me back to like you know when you're a kid and it actually really got you in that mm. mindset like oh wow yeah i remember like things like that you know well like sort of for example in his room chris has like this big block television and sort of i, I know i remember from when i was a child like going around my grandma's and she would used to have like a television just like that um and it's sort of and they even get like turning the TV off right with sort of like the the high pitched sound as it turns off and then all the light fades into the middle and then goes out rather than just on and off like modern TVs. Right. And yeah. Sort of it, and it's it's just these these kind of bits that re- really builds the setting. And even just the make believe stuff, like it just brings you back to that time when you know you're ten years old and you're like, oh, let me just you know pretend this is whatever this is. And it really brings you back to times where, like, you might actually be in that situation. Or, like, one example I'll use is one of the tasks in the game is to defeat the water eater. And this is obviously, you know, a play on the water heater. Basically, Chris has to go down to the basement. But it's like, you know, a really dark basement, you know, and for a 10-year-old kid, that could be scary. And essentially, it makes it like this giant task where all he really has to do is, like, turn on a light switch. But... For, like, a kid his age, you know, in your imagination, it's not just turning on a light switch. It's, like, de- defeating this huge task. It, it just, like, builds up all these little things. So, yeah, one of the other tasks that's in the game is to take down the Snowmancer. Did you take down Snowmancer? I did take down the Snowmancer. That is one thing I did, yes. Do you want to describe to people what that's all about? You know, what Snowmancer is? Well, I think I took down Snowmancer. I'm pretty sure I did. So, Snowmancer is just, like, a little snowman. Yes. That uh, that Chris has built, and he he's sort of using it as like a training dummy to build up his pa- his imaginary powers before he goes off and fights Mantroid, who's like his arch nemesis. Um, and and you go out to f- defeat the Snowmancer, who by this point has already had a couple of references. Uh, so you know he's he's built up quite a bit, and then you get there, and he's bit of, he's a beat up, half destroyed snowman he's he's seen better days so you you take a minute to you know you rebuild in um like you you reattach a a brush into his body for one of his arms um and then you put back on bottle caps uh, as his eyes um obviously sort of referencing more to his dad's alcoholism no definitely uh, and then sort of you step back and sort of you put your hand out as if you're going into like another Jedi moment and you're just standing there concentrating and there's a moment of just silence and then just one of the eyes falls off. Oh, see, I don't think you actually did the full experience of defeating him then because... With, with blowing him up with the Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you didn't, you didn't mention know, the firecracker, so... No, I know, because they were in the garage... Weren't they? Yes. Were they in the garage? There, yep. But I couldn't get to the garage. That was one of the things I was looking for because I wanted to blow it up. Yeah, basically you take a firecracker and blow them up and that's like, you know, it's kind of fun. So, But like, even the story of the firecrackers has like, um, 
like his dad confiscated them like last year when he when he blew up a bin or something with a bunch of firecrackers like so it's just like everything has a small story to it and it builds up all this life it's you know it's nice no definitely and i think the garage is like really key to a lot of the storylines so um if you haven't found the key for that like i said earlier just look in the kitchen by the back door it's like way up high you just have to look up high and it'll be like hanging on a key ring but i mean if you don't look up you're not going to see it because i didn't even see it myself for a while but you have to look up in order to see it but again you know i missed all of these cool things but i I still played it for two hours and loved it right definitely i mean there's so many things you can actually miss in this game so i mean when i when i just played it the first time i missed a lot too so i had to go back a second time just to catch everything (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to do that because I, I feel like listening to everything you saw with like, your second run through, I feel like I missed a lot. But one thing I know you did do, you said, is shooting down the beer cans. Do you want to explain how this happens? Oh, yeah. I'll, well, shooting down the beer cans is like the easiest one. Yeah, it is pretty easy. Yeah, it's kind of fun, though. <laughs> it, it, it's put before you right at the start. Um, but as, as you come out of your room at the start... Um, you um you the, your, your dad's made you uh dinner and he he's drink or well, not dinner sorry breakfast i'm hungry <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he he's he's drinking um and sort of one of your options is like it's a bit early to be drinking um but sort of yeah i didn't pick that one he, but <laughs> nor did i have no idea what <laughs> um, but uh yeah he's like you know, it's just, I'll be fine for going out because his dad has promised Chris that they're going to go out and they're going to get a real pine tree for Christmas. Um, and sort of, that's that sort of these promises are set up very early. And you can end up picking up these beer cans and taking and um, putting them into the recycling bin, taking the recycling bin outside, and then you can set them up across the banister next to the doorway. Um, and like you can shoot shoot them all off. It's quite fun. Yeah, for me, I don't know about you, but it actually took me a few tries to do it because I couldn't get the friggin' aiming down. Like the aiming is so weird that you have to like angle a certain way because it doesn't shoot exactly where it shows. So, well, I don't want to brag, but I got it all down in two shots. I, I guess you're just better aimed than I am. So, <laughs> I'm just a better Chris. Well, I am the superior Chris. I, I, I don't know about that, because, I mean, one of us actually did all the tasks that Chris was supposed to do. One of us didn't, so. And one of us had fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I, I still have fun, too. I learned about my mom. You know, I saw her pictures, and, you know, I, I did all these and, things. I defeated the water eater. <laughs> and I cleared the driveway of the snow. Well, I did that as well. I was helpful. All right, well, you can go back to getting lost in the tunnel, which I definitely didn't do. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I am the, I, I'm the, I'm the host now. How are you now? So, guys. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so. But, yeah, um, by my estimation, there's only two tasks in the game we haven't talked about yet. One of those is the Hot Dog Band phone game. Did you get a chance to play this? I didn't. No, <laughs> like pretty much the only thing I finished was shooting down the beer cans. <laughs> In fact, I think that was literally the only thing I finished. Um, oh man! <laughs> I, 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 I like half finished everything else, but no, I have no idea what the hot dog man for game was. Well, basically, it's a game on his dad's cell phone, and essentially, you have to enter the code to his cell phone in order to play the game. And honestly, getting this code is the hardest thing in the game because you would think it'd be something with meaning and you think like, okay, maybe it's his dad's phone number or maybe it's like the day his mom died or maybe it was the day of like his parents anniversary. And I will be perfectly honest with this. I did not find the code of my own. I had to Google the code because like (sighs) there's just no way to find this out without Googling it, honestly. (laughs) No, I didn't blame you. But because like every um, date you try in the game, there's so many dates in the game. It's none of those dates at all. What the code actually is is the numerical representation of the word hot dog, which is 
Uh, I'd have to do it out real quick, but <laughs> I I don't I don't know offhand, but it's H A W T D A W G, whatever the numerical representation for that is. That's what it is. But you can Google yeah. the numbers for that, and that's all it is. So it, it's kind of stupid, and it, it does kind of bother me that Don't Not did this because there's so many chances to actually have that moment means something because it could have been like oh it's the day you know his parents got married like that would have been a lot more meaningful than just oh it's the numbers for hot dog like i mean you're, you're entering the hot dog man phone game and his dad's phone game like code is hot dog i mean <laughs> it just seems kind of uh, meaningless I, I, to me but yeah. at one point i tried to call it from the house phone to see if that would that would work I actually tried to call the uh, neighbor, Mrs. Reynolds, once, but all that happened was it just, like, went static or something like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but sort of, like, with Hot Dog Man, like, I didn't play the game, but there was so much about Hot Dog Man. Like, he's this kid's comic book character, and he has a friend, he has a, his best friend's mustard, um, and then they end up fighting uh, one supervillain who's just a bigger mustard, and then they make friends because they're both mustard. <laughs> which with hot dog man too i mean i did hear on another podcast which i believe they're probably right there is a theory why the code is hot dog man or hot dog basically the theory is like i didn't really read into these clues myself but the theory is that his mom who's an artist the theory is that she actually invented the hot dog man like franchise and like she you know invented the character and the comic book so if that's true that could be the reason why the code is that because maybe the dad, you know, wanted to like have that touch of her and just, you know, because she made the game or whatever. But would that make you happy with your desire for a meaningful code? It would make me happier, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I'm gonna stick with that just because I want the code to actually mean something. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but if you do get into then, the play the game itself, I mean, the game is just like one of your little, you know, generic platformer games. Basically, you're a little hot dog and you press a button to like jump up. But when he jumps up, he like, you know, farts mustard, basically. So, <laughs> and that's how he jumps up. And essentially, you have to collect these mustard packets. That way he can j- keep jumping. But there's these like little enemies that, you know, if you hit them, you'll die. So. Essentially, all it's it basically is basically just Mario. Yeah, it, it's kind of like Mario. Yeah, I mean, but basically, you're supposed to technically beat his high score, which is two fifty six. And from what I hear, uh, you don't have to beat it. You just have to play it once, and it'll clear as like if you did it. But I personally played it until I beat it. So nice. Um, but I think the final thing we haven't talked about is defeating Mantroid. Yes, did you do this one? I, I've already answered this question. <laughs> I was hoping you at least did that one. But I, you know what, I'll shoot you next. You, you can line up next to the beer cans. Because <laughs> that's one thing I can do. Well, I, I guess if that task comes up in Life is Strange too. I'll just you know call you and be like, hey, can you do this for me? I'll, I'll do the rest of the game for us. <laughs> I'll do the one thing. <laughs> and I'll play the rest of the game, right? <laughs> You know, if, if you get stuck somewhere, I will do that one bit. <laughs> All right. So if there's anything where you have to, like, throw a snowball or something, I'll I'll call you. <laughs> I did throw a snowball, actually. And I did it rather well, Mr. 12 Shots or whatever. <laughs> Not going to go back to I, being alone. Actually, it was more than 12, but yeah. <laughs> more than 12? <laughs> You know, now I'm just thinking that you're just a rather nosy, incompetent gamer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Which, uh, given your performance in other games, <laughs> if you ever end up playing with this guy, don't trust him for shooting. <laughs> and that's not just off his snowball aiming. Yeah, pretty much I'm not the best at shooters, let's put it that way. <laughs> Hey, but not every good game is a shooter, right? That is true. I mean, I'm better at the strategy stuff. I can do the strategy aspect, but the shooting part, I'm probably one of the worst people you're going to meet at shooting. 
I still play it. Regardless of that, (laughs) tell me about Mantroid. Yes, so the Mantroid one, I'm surprised you didn't do this, actually, because you were almost there. I mean, you said you had the car keys and you found, like, the notes and stuff in the car. All you had to do was get in the car and drive the car away, and that takes you to Mantroid. So... You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. That's all you had to do because you already had the keys. You already had the car there. All you had to do is get in the car and like there's this little sequence where like he pretends he's driving to Mantra's planet and that's how you get to his planet. And basically he does like you know, this check down, like kind of like you're leaving a spaceship. He's like, okay, we got to check this. You know, and he checks like all this stuff and then like you crash land at Mantra's planet. Well, I, I thought they wouldn't let me drive because, you know, you're a 10 year old. Well, you don't actually drive. I mean, he just pretends he's driving to Mantra's planet because, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like a vehicle to get there. So I just, I just figured that once you've looked at the thing, because it cl- you close the car door behind you afterwards. I figured, like, oh, well, I guess that's all to do with the car. That's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, you almost had it. So, <laughs> which this is honestly a great moment. Like, you want to talk about visuals. The visuals at the Mantroid, like, you know, fake planet, those visuals are amazing. I mean, it's sort of like this Mars atmosphere, and it's like, you know, kind of a reddish-orange, but the visuals are just perfect. Like, what they did with the visuals at this Mantroid's planet, if that's any indication of what's going to happen in Life is Strange 2, like, it has me really excited, because these visuals were, like, they just wowed me, honestly. Well, I'm going to have one one hell of a replay to do, aren't I? <laughs> I guess you will. You're going to have to talk to me after you replay it and be like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, I'll, I'll come back to do episode uh, 15, part two. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but what else is there to say about the game? Well, basically the Mantroid planet thing, it, it's not, it's kind of, it says defeat Mantroid. You don't actually end up beating him, so I'll spoil that, but... Basically, what you have to do is you have to walk to like this bright light, and it's kind of another emotional moment because basically, Mantroid, like he's kind of you know yelling at him the whole time, like I'm everywhere, you know, you can't beat me, like the kind of things like a villain would usually say. And you don't actually see Mantroid, but like he's just saying like things like that to Chris, and Chris keeps walking to this light. And basically, when you get to this light, it's a street sign, and you can tell it's like a crash site, and it's basically meant to represent, you know, the crash that his mom died in. And the street signs, they clearly say uh, mantle and asteroid. And that is significant because you learn in the garage that the streets that his mom, like the intersection where the crash happened, is mantle and asteroid. So that is definitely meant to represent the crash site where his mom died. But the thing that m- some people might not catch with this is that is actually where he invented Mantroid. You know, Mantle and Asteroid make Mantroid. It's kind of sad, though, sort of thinking about that, though, because it means that since his mum's death, like, it seems like Chris is handling it quite well, but really he's retreated into this world of complete imagination. Right. Where he, you know, it's he's keeping to himself, he's being alone as much as he can, just, you know, getting away from reality, which... You know, there's these fun moments, but there's always, like, emotional things. Just like, Yeah, and it's, like, really sad, but it's also, like, very well done the way they did it because basically what happens is you get to this, you know, street sign and Chris sees that he gets choked up and, like, he, you know, like, seemingly runs out of air and then you just flash back to the car. And basically, you know, he says, I'll get you next time, Android." But basically, if you know the part about the street signs and, like, that's how he, you know, invented Mantroid, it kind of makes sense because he got choked up because he's thinking about, you know, how his mom died. And it makes sense how he didn't defeat Mantroid. So basically, his whole conquest of defeating Mantroid is his whole conquest of, you know, dealing with his mom's death. Yeah. And his grieving. Right, exactly. That's his way of grieving, basically, is he invented this character that he has to defeat. Yeah. It's a emotional, fun game. But a no, definitely. Emotional. There's there's a lot of emotion packed in this, and that's why we said at the top of the episode, you know, definitely be ready for some emotional moments if you play through this. A couple other tidbits I found, like in documents and stuff. I'll just run through a few of them. But uh, his dad has like a new friend named Audra, and Chris reads oh, yeah, this, yeah. and 
he doesn't really seem happy that his dad's like, you know, seemingly potentially moving on, but it seemed just kind of like a throwaway thing. It doesn't really seem to mean too much to me. Um, uh, I feel like it's not throwaway as much because clearly they, they, they've been seeing each other for a while. Like not since before his mum's, his mum's death, obviously. But, um, cause she, in the letter she mentions about, you know, she's like, you know, do you, when when can I meet Chris? Do you feel ashamed about me? Right, yeah. So I I feel like that implies that they they've been going out for a bit, but he, his dad doesn't want to tell him. Yeah, because I mean, if Chris met her, then it only made things worse for Chris probably. So that is like a point in his dad's favor, I would say. But yeah, but you did mention that the family couldn't pay their mortgage, and that's why they moved there in the first place. So there's there's just all of these like little things throughout throughout the world um there's actually another interesting one i don't know if you saw it or not but in his dad's bedroom like way up in the closet there's all these documents about after the mom died and like the investigation yeah you found those yeah yeah i i found all of those and then he tried to look into it himself when um everyone else failed him and they were like we we can't give you any of the cctv you know if the police are behind you then sure but you can't but uh, obviously the police aren't behind him because you know they they just feel like they can't do anything. Right. Yeah. And I saw on like some online sites there was speculation that like it's some kind of cover up. I mean, I didn't really get that sense. Did you get that it was cover up or no? I didn't feel like it was a cover up as much. It's just like his dad's so desperate for there to be something, a reason to blame someone else because at the moment he is blaming chris and he feels really bad about it and he doesn't want to but he does and he i feel like he's trying to find a scapegoat right i think it's basically his way of trying to find closure because if he like finds the person responsible then it'll give him more closure i think and that's what he's trying to do it's just sort of he he's trying to find his way to deal with this and you know, he, he's he's struggling with it. He's he's. Uh, I'm not sure if he was trying to quit drinking before Chris's mum died, um, but he's certainly gone into drinking a lot. Like when um when the neighbor comes round, she's like, she comments on the amount of beer cans in in the bin, um, and Chris says, "Oh well, there was a party for the game." He, he makes up some excuse about what. Yeah, I think she so says many. like must have been some party or. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, they're they're both trying to make excuses for it, but they're they I I want I want them to work out. I don't want Chris to be separated from his dad, but at the same time, you know. Right, and I don't either. Which I mean, I guess that's a good segue to take us into like the end sequence of the game. I mean. How did the end sequence for you play out? Because basically you have to like wake Chris's dad up and then it plays out the end sequence. So like how did your choices go in the end sequence? Well, sort of for me, um, I woke him up and obviously he, um, he, he fell over and he hurt himself. Um, and then the, the neighbor came along um, and she references seeing you uh, like she's like, oh, so what have, what have you been doing? you're young it's a nice day you should be out playing in the snow and i you know because i cleared the drive um with the snow snow shovel um she's like you shouldn't i she's as i responded um well i've i've been helping clear up the house and she said yeah i saw you doing that you know you shouldn't be right and that kind of clued me in too like if you would have lied to her after you like cleared the snow, then she probably would have been like, oh, well, I saw you clearing the snow earlier. So like, I think whatever you do in this situation, it's hard to make it end up good for your family because, and that's kind of like where you, I really felt like the tension for Chris in myself because like you so badly don't want to have something bad happen to your family, but like you're also trying to, you know, not really lie too much. So like it's kind of a fine line where like, well, do I tell her the truth and then something bad happens, or did I not tell her anything, or like how do you really play that? Yeah. Then sort of she she, she tries pushing um, about what's going on. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said something, and she was like, "All right, well, uh, I'm gonna talk to my husband and tell your dad that we we want to speak to him." Which is sort of then he gets really angry. He's like, you know. 
that's when he says, were you, you going to tell them about me doing this to your arm? Um, and th- then he comes out with, it was all your fault, you know, blaming Chris. Um, and then sort of Chris breaks out crying and he runs out. And then he goes up to the tree house and then it breaks and he falls down. And then you learn he has powers. So there's like, there is like a happy ending to it all. Because through all of this, Chris has got what he's really wanted. Right, yeah, and I think depending on how you play it out, like that dialogue is different for that neighbor person, or I didn't really know if it was a neighbor or social services person, but I think it was a neighbor, correct? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it was a neighbor. Yeah, well, basically, like, the dialogue plays out differently, because my dialogue, basically, the choices I made and, like, what I told her and what I didn't tell her, at the end of it, she says, I think I've heard enough, and you kind of get the sense, like, okay, she's going to go call social services right now. And because basically yes. she said something along the lines of like, I forget her exact wording, but you could tell she was definitely going to social services like that second. See, whereas that was different for me, you know, she probably, she she was probably going to tell off his dad or whatever. And it, it's again these different options, and I'm really interested to see how they impact it in Life is Strange too. Yeah, because like for my game, I feel like he's definitely getting taken away from his dad now because of the choices I made, which it sucks to feel that because like i wasn't trying to have that happen just like i didn't really know what to say i'm like well do i lie to her about everything and then she might know i'm lying or do i lie to her about some things or do i lie to her about nothing like i didn't really know what combination of choices were going to lead to the outcome i wanted and the outcome i wanted was like you know to not really have him taken away from his dad but maybe his dad gets help or something but i didn't know what combination would make that choice it's again sort of coming back to this telltale style of thing of with so many different possibilities. And it it'd be cool to see if um how like at the end of the Telltale episodes there's like this percentage of people did this. It'd be cool if there was that. Yeah, I wish the they had that. Cause I do like that about Telltale where it tells you like, oh wow, I'm one of only five percent of people that did this. Damn. <laughs> so Which means either you're a really bad person or you're a really good person. <laughs> right. Take that how you will. Um, but then you get some choices that like 90% of the people did it. It's like, oh, wow, I, I guess no one really wanted to do the other thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I know, um, I forget if I talked to someone or I, like, I listened to it somewhere, but I know there was one interaction that somebody had with like that end sequence and their interaction ended with basically like the neighbor doesn't really say she's going to go get anyone. But, like, as she walks away, she kind of looks in the window to kind of see, you know, what's going on with the dad, like, if he was telling the truth. So, I think there is a way where you can actually prevent things from happening with social services, like, you know, even more than you did, even. So, it yeah. really depends on what choices you pick. So, I mean, because there's, like, different sequences of what she does. Well, it's sort of finding this balance of lying and doing what your dad wants and then telling the truth and what's best for Chris. Right, yeah, because it's really hard to say. Cause, like, obviously, Chris's situation with his dad right now isn't the greatest. But at the same time, like, having him taken away from the only family he has left, that's not the greatest either. So no matter what you do, it feels like you're losing. And, and that's a hard situation to be in. Yeah. it's. Well, I mean, we we got to wait till Life is Strange 2 to see how everything plays out now. Definitely. I mean, I think the best situation for Chris is probably like the grandparents said in the letter that the grandparents take him for now, just for a little bit of time. I think that's probably the best situation yeah. for him. That's what I hope happens. As to whether it is what happens, uh, we'll find out. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. But, I mean, I think we pretty much covered, you know, every aspect of the game. Like, there's not much that you can do in the game that we didn't cover, so... <laughs> Unless you ask something else. I think that's pretty much everything. It's uh, not a huge game, but it's it's really filled. No, definitely. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, if you did like this and you want to hear more about the Life is Strange universe, you know, definitely let us know and tell us because we're both definitely up for doing the whole series on Life is Strange too. if people want that. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, if, if you want to watch that... Um, you know, say in the Discord or tweet uh, the page, whatever, however you want to get in contact. Yeah, I mean, we can get into that right now. You know, you can either contact the podcast by joining our Discord, like you said, which will be in the show notes. You can contact the podcast on Twitter at Blaze Experience, or you can send me an email at theblazeexperience at gmail.com. And how about you? 
you, uh, I'm on Twitter somewhere. Uh, I'm in the Discord, <laughs> uh, which is is one way to get a hold of me if if need be. Um, you can find me on Xbox. De- Epic Duck, no capitals, spaces between each word. Um, those are probably the the key ways to get a hold of me, or the ones I prefer. Yeah, and I, I definitely recommend joining the Discord too. Because I mean, you can talk to both of us in the Discord. There's great other community members there, so you can talk to the whole community there. And it's definitely a great place, and it's definitely shaping up to grow more. So definitely join the Discord. Yeah. But I mentioned in our last episode for State of Decay 2, I'll mention it again here. Uh, the Blaze Experience did just join a new podcast network. We joined Podcast New Hampshire, which is a group of New Hampshire-based podcasts. And basically, there's 14 of us right now. There's a website, www.podcastnh.com. And there's a bunch of other great podcasts on there you can check out as well. There's some different podcasts that talk on random topics. There's a music podcast. There's a behavioral studies podcast, a wrestling podcast. There's so many different types. And obviously, there's our gaming podcast, The Blaze Experience. So definitely check that out. And, you know, if you want to have something else to listen to besides this podcast, there's plenty of great choices right there. But that being said, The Blaze Experience, for anyone that wasn't aware, it's experience without an E. So just, you know, XP. If you want to get in touch with us, we already said how to do that. And if you want to listen to the podcast, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Google Play, it's on Stitcher, it's on many different places. So just check us out, you know, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. We really appreciate it and we really appreciate everyone listening. So thank you again, Monty, for joining this episode and officially breaking the record. Thanks for having me once again. And we hope to have you back on again soon. So... Thank you, and thank you to all you listeners for listening. Thank you for listening to The Blaze Experience.